Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Welcome to Draft Deeper on the No Ceilings NBA Podcast Network. Thank you so much for joining us on this glorious Monday morning, technically Sunday night when we're recording this. But you're hearing this bright and early. What, 3 a.m., Stephen, you're going to be listening to this Monday morning? At a minimum. (laughs) At, At a minimum. So thank you again for making us one of your first listens of the day, if not your first listen of the day. We love to start out the week with you guys. And what better way to start out the week when... On a draft podcast, we're gonna give you, we're gonna give you a freaking mock draft. We're doing mm. mock posit 3.0 on this episode of Draft Deeper. So, what does that mean for the audience out there? If you have not listened to one of our prior mock posit draft episodes, essentially, myself, Stephen Gillespie, and Maxwell Baumbach, we all submit our big boards. Usually, around the time we're creating a new no ceilings composite big board. We put all three of our boards together to create a pool of what was a top 30 board. We've since extended it to a top 60 composite board. And that is the pool of players that we're going to use to make selections within a first round mock draft. We will hopefully extend that mock draft out to more picks as we get closer and closer and closer to June. But right now it's a first round mock draft, but that's unique because we're not allowing ourselves to go outside of that composite board as much as we would all love to just make a random top 75 dart and, and just throw that into the first round of our mock draft. We're not allowing ourselves to do that. So that's what makes our exercise fun and unique. This is again, based off the draft deeper composite board and rankings. This is not the no ceilings composite board. Those podcast reviews are usually done by the Tylers over on the no ceilings NBA show. So this is all draft deeper but i'm excited steven how are you doing tonight are you ready to throw out some ridiculous takes and picks as you usually do in these episodes i'm here to to shoot flames bro i'll keep the (laughs) introduction at a minimum because this is going to be a long one but i'm ready bro it's uh it's fun to be talking to you guys and i'm excited to see the way this shakes out I, I, I joke, I kid. We don't usually throw out too many hot takes on on draft deeper. We we keep it pretty real, don't you think, Maxwell? I do, I do think so. I'm excited for this one. I'm fired up. I'm ready. I'm glad to be back. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready to get this one underway. And I got the first pick this time too, which is very exciting. He does. Maxwell is the, the first show. pick. 
Yep, everyone, everyone's back. I'm, I'm glad that Maxwell threw out that reference. Everybody is back, by the way. It's, it's been an absolute bear of a task to get all three of us <laughs> in the same virtual room. I guess I need to say since we're, yeah. we're all on webcam with each yeah. other. But... Also, apologies if my mic just sounded terrible for a second too. Uh, I'm just total amateur hour as I get back into the groove of things here with my headset not working for a second there. Maxwell making live podcast adjustments. You, you, you mm-hmm. love to hear it so. Yeah, we, we won't waste any more time. We're going to get into this. So what we do for these exercises, I do a tankathon sim. So we're not just going off the standard draft order. I sim the lottery. And our very first mock draft, it was the Golden State Warriors who got the number one overall pick. And as ridiculous as that was, Love I think we, we have a team jumping up to number one, Maxwell, who he's, he's making the pick for. Mm-hmm. Not completely out of the realm of possibility, depending on what happens over the next few weeks with the trade deadline and all those fun things. The mm-hmm. Chicago Bulls kept their pick in this scenario. They moved all the way up to the number one overall spot. So the one guy who has not chosen one yet within the three of us, we have Maxwell Baumbach making that pick mm-hmm. for the Chicago Bulls. So Maxwell... You're on the clock. Make mm-hmm. that pick. He might have to do daddy duty really quick here. Oh, no, just- we're good. Oh, so, we're, we're good? Yeah, we're good. So Morgan is currently hooping right now on the Little Tyke's hoop within the same room <laughs> as yeah. me. So she Heck came in yeah. here. She's hooping. How's and, her mechanics? Is she is, is, oh, is they're okay. good? I mean, she, she's got a plus <laughs> wingspan. She's really light okay. on her feet for a kid with eyes, which is great. 80th height percentile already. And she was born at 33, so she's shooting up like a weed. Um, but I mean, we are in the Chicagoland area, and I get to pick for the Chicago Bulls with the number one pick in this mock draft. And I can think of nothing better than for my daughter to grow up in an area where we've got the Chicago sky firing on all cylinders mm. and the Chicago Bulls drafting Victor Wembanyama with the Let's number go. one pick in the draft deeper mock posit here. Um, I mean, not only is Victor just the, so clearly the guy, um, we talked about all the intricacies of his defensive game last time around, just what a nightmare he is to deal with in pick and roll coverage, how much ground he can cover off the ball if you are using him um, more as a wing defensively and, the, and and just how good he is late in the clock guarding the ball. And then offensively, obviously the ridiculous shot making, um, the absurd length, the budding footwork, the handle, the improvement that we've seen from him there, his growing creativity and vision and ability to place passes better than he was a year ago. He's very clearly the guy, but even just on top of that, he fits needs for the Bulls. Like you, they have, you know, a, a real lack of defensive firepower and they also have a real lack of shooting. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you're buying that, he's going to come in and shoot right away. He can, he can fill that need. Uh, But just some of the lineups they play, they don't have a ton of size at the forward spots. You've got Javante green out there. And I, I, again, I love Javante green to death. Phenomenal role player. Um, But when you're dealing with, he's a role player. Yeah. When you're dealing with like him, DeMar and like Pat will kind of playing those four minutes, you're not getting a ton of rebounding there. You're not getting a ton of size there. Um, he, he's he'd be a phenomenal fit for the bulls on top of just the fact that he is very clearly the best player in the draft well so here's the thing we don't even know what the chicago bulls are going to look like in a few weeks right like they could completely mm-hmm. blow it up along with the toronto raptors like demar Derozan and nikola vucevic could both be on the move right we we don't fully know who knows maybe maybe a team wants to pay for zach levine services maybe the dallas mavericks get desperate they pull off a trade for somebody like a zach levine we don't know what that team's going to look like but if they were to go the direction of let's try and get as high in the Victor Womanyama race as we possibly can, then 
the Bulls would have a star who they haven't really had since Derrick Rose, since prime Derrick Rose before all the injury trouble, right? Like Jimmy Butler was certainly an excellent player for them, but he wasn't quite the Jimmy Butler who we've grown to know, like in Miami, for example, who led the Miami Heat to the finals in the bubble. He wasn't that kind of star yet. So Victor Womanyama would be a game changer. It would be really fun to see the franchise who once had Michael Jordan, who once had a Derrick Rose, who was on the ascent before the injuries to being possibly one of the, the best guards that we've seen in NBA history. And now they would bring in a guy like Victor Womanyama. That would just be really fun, in my opinion, for the NBA. So Maxwell went Victor Womanyama, number one overall to the Chicago Bulls. So in this exercise, the Houston Rockets have the second overall pick. It's my turn. I'm making that selection for Houston. And this is also really easy for me to make. This is Scoot Henderson at number two overall. No surprise there. This Rockets team, they, they need a point guard. And I I understand that we've gotten the fun Alper and Shengun experience here the last week and a half, two weeks, where they've actually given him the keys to run more of the offense. They're getting him involved. They're letting him make decisions within their schemes. But at the end of the day, they need a primary ball handler who isn't just somebody like a Jalen Green or an Eric Gordon. They need a pure point guard. And Scoot Henderson's going to be that guy while also offering plenty of scoring upside himself. He's not just a passer. He's not just a transition guy or a pick-and-roll playmaker. He is a legitimate scorer. He has one of the better pull-up jump shots of any of the guards in this class that we can point to inside the three-point line. He's improved his three-point shot by all accounts, by the numbers, and he just seems like one of these very safe bets just given how he's interviewed, what we know about him, to continue to work hard and make sure every single day he's improving himself and he's doing what needs to be done to make everyone else around him better and to elevate the franchise that he's playing for. And that, to me, is what the Houston Rockets need. They just need organization and structure from a star perspective. They need that main leader, that main vocal personality in the locker room, and Scoot Henderson would be that for them. So he is a slam dunk number two overall pick. Steven, this is where the draft gets interesting, right? We keep saying... Basically the first pick. The draft starts at number three. So you're up with the Orlando Magic, who got the third pick in this exercise. Who are you going with? Yeah, so this is where I think we're going to start with a little bit of unex- you know, unexpected selections because... Oh, boy. This mock posit was created based off of the boards that were submitted at the time. Done some tinkering. I'm sure you guys oh, have. Oh, boy. Here we go. I'm sure you guys have as well. I have, yep. And I cannot think of a better player for the Orlando Magic to pick than Brandon Miller. I just think that he – first off, we know that Orlando is prioritizing size and skill. Brandon Miller gives you that. They need floor spacing around Paolo Boncaro and Wendell, and, and Wendell Carter Jr. He, he, he gives you that too. He can help with ball – like creation off of the bounce. You know, he gives you that as well. So you have – two wings that can create two wings that can shoot Brandon Miller can also play defense and rebound like he's doing all these things well the things that people are concerned about with like strength limitations things like that with the front court that Orlando has it really doesn't pose that big of an issue while he continues to grow into his frame so I just think it's a slam dunk pick you know your Paolo Boncaro now has no shortage at all of players that he can kick the ball out to whenever the defense has to collapse around his bully ball style. And then even when Paulo's out, 
you have trusted offensive creators with Franz Wagner and um, now Mount Miller, who I'm affectionately referring to Brandon Miller as because he's a volcano just waiting to erupt at all times. Mount Miller goes number three here. I mean, Orlando certainly needs to continue to build out that starting lineup with shooters around both Palavin Caro and Franz Wagner, right? We, we know yeah. that to be true. He can be a legitimate third or fourth option for an NBA team. Maybe he's not that megastar, that superstar, right? But at the same time, how often are you actually getting that guy at number three, right? Like you would imagine if you're looking for that guy, you're, you're more expecting that value to be found with the first overall pick, or the second overall pick, not necessarily the third pick. So when we nitpick Brandon Miller's game, maybe he is more of a complimentary piece around another star, but isn't that usually what you're finding at this point in the draft, right? And all the way down and Brandon Miller could still be a star. He could just be yeah. a star in his own role. Right. And, and, and that if the Orlando magic would be able to get that at number three, we, we can make arguments for maybe quote unquote cleaner fits or going a different direction as far as potential star power is concerned. But if you want the sure thing, right, a sure bet to be a, a, a great shooter, uh, a sure thing to be, at the very least, a competitive defender, I think a good to great defender as he continues to fill out his frame. Yep. And also, Steven, I, I think you and I have talked about this a little bit at, at different points in passing, but when you watch an Alabama game, that man is always fired up. Like, he always. wants to go out there and just – freaking drop it on the opposing team right so i'm all here for brandon miller at number three if you're just looking for a really safe bet to find a guy who we know is going to be contributing at a potentially high level in the nba for a long time so i don't i don't poo poo the pick steven i actually like that you went with i hate that phrase I'm sorry. I just I, I don't like I don't like the poo poo phrase. But thank you for agreeing with my pick. You're 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 welcome. So Maxwell, you're back on the clock. Number four. Yeah. Washington Wizards. At four. Mm -hmm. Who are we going with? Can I unleash like a take before we get to this point of the draft? Oh boy. Um, Please. I like I do not like this range right now. Like this range feels so unsecure define this me. range like four through what four through six because okay. it's like for me it's the thompsons and whitmore because like i think brandon miller yep. is like extremely safe like I, I i get that like the the whole like gathering he's already 20 years old like what if he has to be put into assisted living next year because he's so old like so i get i get the, all those the, concerns so are the thompsons like, I, I yeah don't get, so i don't get this that's I hate so this. So are the Thompsons. So it makes then, me want to rip my freaking hair out of my head so when the, I hear people criticize the age. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm mad. Yeah, no, it's a two-month <laughs> difference. Um, so with the Thompsons, Asar, I was like, oh, he's like shooting better now. And he's like 30% since the turn of the year. It's like, mm, all right, we're seeing some regression there. And then is like 23% on the year and 22% since the turn of the year. So what's going on there? And then, like, the other guy I have in that range is, like, Cam Whitmore, who is, like, so up and down. Like, some games you watch, and it's like, oh, he's back. And then you watch the next game, and it's like, oh, he's a mess rotationally. He's settling for bad shots. Like, he just is doing nothing from a playmaking standpoint. I, I Like, all of these guys are so high ceiling, and, like, I 
do not like the floor whatsoever. Um, but I feel like I have to take one of them because that's you don't have with. to take one of no. them. Actually, there, I there do. Is one other I do. The Thompsons are not in my top. Are not in my top five. I feel like I have to take them because if I'm the Washington Wizards and I am perpetually just okay, it's like I I don't know. Like the the next guy for me is probably Jet or Nick Smith, and I feel like Nick Smith, like the injury thing kind of scares me a little bit i'd like to see a little bit more i do think jet is super high floor but i feel like there's also a world where like if the wizards get him that he just turns into like the most boring <laughs> wizards type player of all time uh so i like in the wizards are stuck like jet howard is really good but i don't think i think the outcomes where he totally changes your franchise in like a monumental way are kind of low like i i think jet tops out as like a really good second option where i think the, the guys above him maybe have first option potential I'm I'm just gonna take a SAR and not feel very good about it. Mm-hmm. Is I think okay. what I'm gonna do. Because I think I don't buy the shot with the men at all. Like I just don't I don't like either of them as half court scores, but I feel better about the fact that Asar doesn't feel the need to leak out and transition constantly. Um and yeah, his shot's just a little bit further along. I don't think the athleticism gap is that big. I don't think the playmaking gap is that big. And with Whitmore, like I've been really disappointed by the playmaking with him because I really bought what I was seeing with him toward the end of his high school campaign. And that just has not translated like his shot. I feel the best about of the three, um, but just some of the defensive stuff. I, I don't know. I feel like Asar has the best habits of the people available defensively. And I, I do think he's going to be an okay shooter. So I'm going to Asar, but that's my rant about this range. Like I am not, I, I am not wild about this part of the draft. Sure. So Asor Thompson at number four overall, I understand completely why you went with the pick Maxwell. Well, we factor in just the athletic upside. It's Asor Thompson, it's a men Thompson, and they they separate themselves from a lot of players in this draft class. And that's a that's an important part when we talk about star power upside. It's not just the skill factor, it's how athletic are you? How likely are you to continue to develop physically to the point where you can handle the rigors of an 82-game NBA season and continue to play through the playoffs at the highest level. These are all important things to factor in. And also, from a personality standpoint, how hard of a worker are you? How how willing are you to endure the ups and downs of an NBA season? Because it's not all going to be sunshine and rainbows. And for everybody out there listening, tomorrow on the No Ceilings NBA feed, you will actually hear a home and away episode where I got to interview the head coach of the city reapers for the overtime elite, Dave Lato. And Dave sold me on the Thompson twins in large part, not that I wasn't already sold on them, but in large part because of the type of leader and the type of coach that he is, he wants both a man and a sore to embrace the challenge in front of them and to find ways to overcome adversity and deal with when, when the shot isn't falling for them, when things aren't going right for them, what are you going to do to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and help carry your team to a win. And the fact that they've been training and and have been coached in that type of environment, that is giving me more confidence in, in both a men and a SAR that maybe their rookie seasons aren't going to be perfect, but as they continue to develop in their second, third, fourth NBA seasons, they are a, a worthy bet to take in the top five, top six range where we just talk about star power and upside and are they willing to put in the work to get there? It sounds like that answer is yes. So I don't fault Maxwell for making that pick at four. And I have the opportunity at number five to take a Soar's brother, 
for the Charlotte Hornets, I could take that's so Amen fun. Thompson. Mm-hmm. It's it's incredibly fun. I'm very tempted to go a different direction though. Let Just me talk this out. Let, let me talk with this this out with you guys really quick. So the Charlotte Hornets are a dumpster fire of an NBA team right now, right? So mm-hmm. it is it is Lamelo Ball who, for for all of his warts and for all the things he does in the court that we may not like him doing at all times, he is still one of the most talented guards that we have in the entire NBA. But outside of that, this team has taken some shots on veterans, which I think. They, they've worked some of them have worked out some of them haven't and then they've taken some real shots with some draft picks which the majority of them around Lamelo just have not panned out mark yet. williams looks kind of nice i think he's man. gonna get there yeah but well mark williams but like is gonna be but the like the jt thor I, like yeah, yeah 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 mark williams is gonna be the one where i said i think that's still going to work out for them i like that pick when they made it but they had an opportunity to have somebody like a Jalen Duran with, with, with another pick, or they they could have even went a different direction. They they made some trades, they made some moves. Then you have the Miles Bridges situation where he's effectively not with the team, or we we don't really know what's going to happen with that. At not this point. really There's, their fault, but yeah, it's a it's a crappy spot to be in for an organization. It, it's not their fault, but the point is, is that this team, and I said it last draft, and I'll say it again. They need to bring in guys who are going to be professionals and, and known commodities, known talents to surround the mellow ball so that this team can start picking themselves up in the Eastern Conference and start racking up some wins. Because if they don't, I'm telling you, Lamella ball is going to want out of that situation. It's just oh, what sure. happens with megastars who aren't in winning situations. And I, I screamed on this podcast feed when we did some of our mock drafts leading up to June last year take somebody like a Jalen Williams who maybe he doesn't have the most glamorous upside, although we can make an argument today that he might actually have even more upside than, than we thought, but take somebody like that who, you know, plays and fills a position of need in the modern NBA, who's going to be a solid to good to great contributor at the wing slash forward spot for years to come and just take a known commodity. Just do it. So, well, I love Amen Thompson's upside. Are Don't we sure? It. Are we sure I, that fit with Amen Thompson and the Lolo Ball is going to be perfect? As fun as the transition basketball could be, are we sure that that's the best fit there on the board? Do I want to just give the Hornets a guy who maybe he doesn't have the same upside as Amen Thompson? But who's the I other guy, Nathan? Be, I think he's going to be a really good NBA player. I, I really do. I'm going to take Jet Howard for for the Charlotte. Okay, Hornets. I'm going to do it. I, I like it. Give that guy, guy a good guy. basketball player. So that that's kind of my rant about where the Charlotte Hornets are and, and what I think they need. They they could shoot for the stars. They could take a men Thompson or Cam Whitmore. I'm going to give them a guy who I'm just confident. He's going to shoot the cover off the ball. I think the defense is still continuing to get better. I think physically he's already a big boy. He's only going to continue to keep filling out, be able to swing up a position, swing down a position because of his playmaking ball handling skills. Give me somebody like Jet Howard at, at number five. And that's, Sure. That's what I'm going to do for the Charlotte Hornets. So you, you can agree with me. You can disagree with me. I may get some real pushback when we publish this podcast episode. I don't know. But that's just what I would do if I'm in the position of the Hornets right now. So, Stephen, you have a chance to effectively right my wrong, as some might very well comment on this podcast episode. You could take one of those two other guys in number six for the Pistons. What are you going to do? I thought you were going to go a different route, man. I thought you were going to go – ah. 
You can say the name. It's a, we, we we know who's going to be picked within the top fourteen. So you can. You I can thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to go Cheris Walker there when you were talking about consistency, mm. like floor, mm-hmm. what like how he's going to contribute. And I I can't now I can't get the thought of Lamelo and Jarris running DHOs out of my head. Like I'm a Jarris Walker guy within the top ten, but probably the back half of that top ten than closer to one because I just don't I don't know what he's going to bring offensively to the table in year one. Now we there's more there, and I think yeah. his offensive game mm-hmm. is going to continue to round. He's out shooting it now, man. He's shooting it well too. He like, is. Late- yeah. He's he's taken a dip in his efficiency though, and the game like today yeah. against Temple, he he threw up another stinker in terms of his shooting. But yeah, you, to your point, the the defense, some of the playmaking upside, the rebounding, the consistent motor, he's going to be a a really good complementary piece for what could be a lot of NBA teams for mm-hmm. a long time. I I don't know if I'd gamble with him inside the top five like some of us other guys would mm-hmm. at no ceilings, but. I try. We're, you're going to hear Jairus Walker's name from one of us probably pretty soon. So yeah, I'm getting dangerously close to having him within my top five. I just Ooh. moved him to number six, um, ahead of the Thompson twins. So are you that taking him? That being said, I'm not taking him because okay. I got one more guy within my top five ahead of him right now. That being Cam Whitmore, I'm going to go for the Detroit Pistons here at number six. I'm going to take Cam Whitmore. And he's not quite at the level to where all of his peers are right now in terms of games played. He's getting he's getting close, right? Like to where I feel like I can really start kind of scrutinizing his game. I hate the Villanova situation right now. Like I'm just gonna put that like that's context context 101 right there when it comes to the playmaking portion, when it comes to like the defensive consistency in terms of fundamentals. Like he's giving you great like steals. Um, rim pressure, things like that. Not really blocking a lot of shots, but I think that the defensive um, capability is there. Offensively, the efficiency is kind of waxing and waning, but again, missed a lot of time to build cohesion with this team. I'm still a big believer in his upside, but I do get where a lot of the concerns are coming. And again, now I'm getting guys like, you know, Jarris Walker starting to get dangerously close to that Cam Whitmore territory, which I would never have thought that's where I would be uh, coming into the year. But um, try to remove my biases, try not to be so stubborn. But right now, I still got to take Cam Whitmore here at number six. I still have Cam Whitmore within the top eight on my board, but he's been one guy who's fallen for me because, and Steven, I'll, I'll ask you this question. Yeah. So, you have to buy the shooting being mm-hmm. a real thing with Cam Whitmore because if it's not, and I sort of gave this as a comment to you guys in passing, but I didn't really ask for any feedback on it. But if Cam Whitmore isn't displaying improved touch or the touch that we've seen him in, in a few games and then going back to high school when he gets on fire, what are what are the differences between him and somebody like a Lamar Stevens? who's already in the NBA like that, that to me, I still think the handle, I still think the defense is better than Lamar. I I like him. I just think he's a lot faster. He's, he's a a better athlete. Like there are still, there are still categories where I would give him significant upchecks over Lamar Stevens, despite the shooting, not being where I want it to be right now. I just kind of, I see that as a potential floor for somebody like Cam. And the fact that 
I can't get a, a baseline comparison like that out of my head, that yeah. scares me a little bit to take him within the top five. Right I, now, now he has. I think been, people are still afraid to say the names Miles Bridges on podcasts right now, but that's ultimately like the, the type the of guy best, that you see him being that's yeah, the as best a basketball player, as a basketball player yeah. only. As a basketball, but he's got to shoot it. Yeah. He's got to shoot it to even to to get to that point, right? Don't you think he is though? He, like he's shooting it pretty well right now. He, like I don't. He's not yeah, like not scorching, but he's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, man. He has some misses where he's hitting like the other side. He he every if every people game, believe in Kalel wears like stretch five ability right now. <laughs> then you then what's the point of not believing in Cam Whitmore? Well, I think no, I think I think that's true. I think he does have some bad misses, but I feel like he's had less recently. Yeah. Every uh, but, every single there game, are I feel like he has one to saying. two misses where he hits the opposite side of the backboard, and I'm just like, oh my god, like what what are we doing here? But. Mm-hmm. And and then we Maxwell and I have talked about like the coordination thing, like the the massive upper body weight that seems to be like just arching him forward everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. He's just like lunging into the crowd or falling on the ground. Like there there's some weird things with him. But the the ultimate upside of Cam Whitmore is like a top three player in this yeah. class. Like that's why I think you still you can still take him with a top five, top six pick. And at least on draft night, you're probably still going to be feeling good about it because he's a ridiculous athlete. He's a monster. Mm-hmm. He's a beast with the shooting upside, with the shot creativity, with the defensive upside, the consistent rebounding. Like he is a force to be reckoned with on the court. He just also has a lot more skill development that needs to take place. Probably more than I think I certainly, maybe not you guys, but I I anticipated he would be further along from a skill perspective than what he's shown at Villanova, Villanova which could also be is so it, not yeah it's the Villanova fun. situation that's just not it's and just he not just great. like takes the ball away from people like that's what I loved about Tari Eason a lot last uh-huh. year is that he would just like rob people of the ball it wasn't oh just, he's like, strong but I'll yes say, but I will say too like the one thing against Cam is that like yesterday they like Villanova's best stretch came with him on the bench yeah like there's there's also games where it's just like Oh boy. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I've, he, I've he misses really things on defense where he's just kind of like caught with his pants around his ankles, like looking around, like what's going mm-hmm. on. And it doesn't, it doesn't always look pretty, but he's still not at the 15 games played portion of the season for himself. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. kind of like where I start. Like, all right, let me, we, 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 we got to move on to, to pick yeah. number seven and keep it moving. But yeah. just the last comment before Maxwell picks for the Spurs at number seven to, to Steven's point, what we have to do as scouts and evaluators is project to where they're going to be three years mm-hmm. from now or four years from now, not just who they are today. And that's why yep. you take Cam with a high pick. All right, Maxwell, you're up number seven. Yeah, this is like the ugliest fit in all of human history, <laughs> but we're taking Amen Thompson for San Antonio. Okay, um, so so Amen Thompson. This this could really surprise people that Amen is the one who's falling Big in fell, a mock yeah. exercise and not a sore. So why, why don't you sort of explain where you're at as far as the two of them, the differences between them? I, Amendus has more like habits that annoy me, which like, it's really a like, harsh <laughs> way of saying it because like, I, I don't know, like all these guys are young. Like he's still 20. Um, right. Amen is way less physical than Asar. Like he, I mentioned it earlier. He is so thirsty to leak out in transition so that he does not have to play half court basketball. Um, so because of that, like he just like gives up a lot of stuff on the O glass. He, 
he he's not engaging and like it, it just like it leads to a lot of bad defensive habits um because he wants to get back on the other end of the floor before the other team can set up uh in the half court i don't like his finishing at the rim at all i'm some people are a lot more like optimistic about the pull-up game than i am i'm i'm still just not there the fact that he angles his body away from the basket when finishing against high schoolers as a 20 year old like that to me is like as concerning if not more than the brandon miller stuff like the brandon miller rim finishing like does really scare me because it reminds me a lot of like what moses moody looked like finishing at the rim Mm. Uh, but with him he's such a nuclear shooter and such a good defender that it's like ah whatever like you're still gonna be very good um but with the men it's like the whole point is you get into the paint and then you get into the paint and like you're not finishing against high schoolers so I I have some real concerns, but I do think he is going to walk into the NBA and this has been, you know, you can listen to any podcast and hear this. Like he's going to walk in the NBA and be one of the best athletes in the league. Absolutely. I, and all like everything that I know attitude wise and everything like that is great. Everyone says they want to be really good. Um, I think that with him being the athlete that he is having the defensive potential that he does and defensive flashes, but it's still not a well-rounded defensive game by any stretch. Um, but what he's able to do as a playmaker defensively, how quick he can get into position, how quick he is off the floor. You just bet on the frame is going to fill out and he's going to figure out a way to make a difference in the half court on offense. Um, and, and again, like the creativity as a passer is outrageous. The way that he's able to get in the paint, make quick reads, deliver the ball in ways that defenders don't anticipate. And there's so like, that's one thing that I, I know that he's playing against high schoolers that I do not worry about translating is that creativity. Like the stuff he does is still just stuff that makes your draw job watching it on film. I don't think even pro players are going to anticipate that kind of stuff. Um, the Spurs are a very bad shooting team. They don't even take a lot of threes. Um, they do need a point guard though. And if you're drafting do. him to they be need, a primary ball handler, like they this need is somebody, one scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Like the next best like pressure the rim option on his team is probably Kelvin Johnson. So yeah. like you to get somebody else and like, who knows if he's long for, for this world there, even though he's still only 23, like I assume they want him around long-term and he really was hitting those outside shots early on in the season, even though he's not now. Um, but like he started the year, like 39% from three, his volumes up. Maybe he gets there. Devin Vassell, I obviously trust as a shooter. Um, but like with Suhan and some of the other guys, it gets a little ugly, but like you need one of these guys, you need a guy who could potentially get you over the hump. And they, I, I think you've just got to take that type of bite at the apple. If you're San Antonio and a man presents like, yeah, unequivocally the highest potential outcome of anybody else left in the draft. At this so the, the rim pressure argument is really the only one you have to make for a man yeah. to the Spurs, right? Like yep. I trust Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson and Jeremy Sohan as they, as they are developing or have developed or continue to develop, I trust them to make those quick decisions to keep the ball moving on offense, but none of those guys can pressure the rim like somebody like a men can, and that's kind of the the table-setting ingredient that this team needs to find more of who they are on offense. Obviously, he needs to shoot the ball. We all know he needs to shoot the ball, but nevertheless, you take the guy with star power upside at number seven. So a men Thompson to the Spurs. I think it's a better fit. I think it's a better fit than people might initially think on its face. I actually like the pick. So I'm back up number eight overall, the Toronto Raptors. I'm going to take somebody who I have come back up on over the last few weeks. Somebody who yeah. I, I, I've, I've wanted, I've wanted to bring myself around to him. I have sort of been one foot in one foot out for a while. I'm two feet in second best guard 
Let's in go. the draft. Keontae George to the Toronto Raptors. This team, boy, does this team need half-court offense in the worst way. And when I wanted to be higher on the Toronto Raptors than some mm. other people preseason, I thought that Scotty Barnes was going to take more of that leap forward as far as being that main guy who could wreak havoc in the half-court. He has actually been doing that over the last few weeks, despite a what some people would have dined as, as a poor start for his sophomore year, at least to what expectations were. But we don't know what the Raptors are going to do here at the trade deadline, but we know that they need potential star power and they need upside as far as offense is concerned in the half court. And regardless of some of the criticisms and, and, and the little nitpicks that you can make at Keontae George's game, this guy gets buckets in every single way imaginable. I've, I've bought his pull-up shot, his ability to get to his spots and rise and fire in the mid-range. The three-point shot, albeit his shooting in general, has kind of been inconsistent, but we I'm buying the mechanics, I'm buying the touch, I'm buying the range, I'm buying the offensive creativity as far as him being able to get to the rack, draw fouls, get to the free-throw line. His offensive package, along with the quick decision-making as far as passing is concerned, the positional rebounding and the positional defense – I think that there's still upside there, just given his body, his strength makeup. Keontae George, to me, has some of the highest upside still left on the board. I think he'd be a great pick for the Toronto Raptors at eight. So that's who I went with. Just real quick, because like I, I like from a basketball standpoint, I see a lot of the fit. But given the Raptors system, do you think he's ready to play 45 minutes a night out of the gate? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. That's, that's an unnecessary shot at Nick Nurse, but it's they, well, but it's but it's like that's what they need. It's like they need a dude that can just like get scorching hot and provide some extra playmaking out there. Like that so, here's he's, here's he's the thing. Play. I think that the answer to that question, though, if we're being serious, would actually be yes. Yeah. From other names <laughs> yeah, that are on the board, it's still sturdy. Yes. Yeah, he, he's sturdy and he has been the second half warrior for that Baylor mm-hmm. team. And he has really carried them through certain games. And the day that everyone's listening to this podcast, this same night, you're going to be able to see Kansas and Baylor on national television. I cannot wait oh, for, for that game. That, game. That's going to be a grudge match. But Steven, you're back up. The New Orleans Pelicans at number nine via the Los Angeles Lakers. We we haven't thrown a haymaker yet in this mock exercise because we're eight picks deep and we picked the top eight guys on our composite board. So are we going nine for nine or are you about to hit us with a little bit of a shakeup? We're going nine for nine, man. We're going Jarris. And I just got done talking about how he's like eking his way up into my top five. He's already jumped over the Thompson twins. I just love this kid, man. Like he's, he's tough. He's smart. He's unselfish. I, not a super big fan of like how Houston was utilizing him early on, but you can see the vision now with coach Sampson as to like, he's starting to let him get more into his well-rounded overall game. Whereas earlier it was just like really going to rely on your defensive ability. Um, You can create a tiny bit and we're going to get your shooting to where it needs to be. Now the shooting is creeping its way back up. Um, Him being a shooter really, helps his game a lot because you got a guy who you can we all know that NBA teams love uh, running offensive sets through their big men and New Orleans has some really fun creative players that you could imagine Jairus being in two men action with and really coming in off of the bench I would imagine um, his first season playing with guys like you know Dyson Daniels um, TM3 you know just there's a you know Alvarado there's 
no shortage of guys that Jarris could come in and make a difference with. Plus, you can rely on him on the defensive end with all these other just stud defensive athletes that the Pelicans already have. A, a power wing or just a power forward overall, the Pelicans are going to be thrilled to death to get Jarris Walker at number nine if they can. I like the pick. This team, they're they're in a position of luxury, right? Like they they can go whichever direction yeah. with this pick, and it's not going to hurt their depth. And as long as Zion and and Bi can get back on the court for them, it's not going to hurt them contending for years to come in the Western Conference. And with Jarris, you get a guy who, despite any offensive questions we we could raise to Stevens' point, his consistency as far as his motor, his defense, his rebounding. There's just so much that he can bring to the table from day one, even in a more limited role. And then as yep. he continues to expand out his game and get more touches and experimental reps, maybe down in the G League, or as he continues to get more comfortable with the NBA game, he can look like that guy at IMG Academy who that's that's really who everybody at No Ceilings wants to draft with a high mm-hmm. pick is that guy. Not necessarily the guy who we've seen at Houston trying to adapt his game to everybody else. So he- Houston version is starting to catch up with IMG version now, though. So he he you, has thrown some some offensive haymakers at times that he's like yeah. he has had some really good scoring slash shooting games. So it's not like we haven't seen it at all at yeah. Houston. It just hasn't been a night to night toned down. Yeah, right. All right, Maxwell, you are back up. The Phoenix Suns have the tenth overall pick in this scenario. So ten for ten? Question mark? Or are you you deviating? We're going 10 for 10. Uh, this All guy's right. actually a bit higher on my board than he is on, on our consensus. I'm going to take Nick Smith. Um, okay. It's Phoenix is in, in an interesting spot. I wish there was like a, a wing play that I felt a little bit better about at this point in the draft. Um, I think you've got a couple things to consider. Obviously, one is that Chris Paul is getting older. Um, so that's, that's something you want to keep in mind. Um, and then from a guard standpoint, campaign, I believe has some sort of option coming up this year. Uh, Damian Lee's been like really solid for them, but he's 30. So like backups at that age, like you never know, like when it, when it starts to tail off for those guys, it tails off a lot harder than it does for, for star players. And he might get more money somewhere else this off season. Like, you know, you never know. Um, but I think he's the highest ceiling guy left on the board. I, I really do still believe in his upside. I think a lot more than a lot of people. Um, but he does even just like, ideally because you're Phoenix, like you're going to want to keep competing. And I think he can play with these guys r- right away. Um, I've mentioned it before. I, I, I believe in him a lot more as a playmaker than a lot of others. I love how he keeps his head up for teammates. Um, but playing off of either Chris Paul or Devin Booker out of the gate, I think would be great for him. Um, because he, he can shoot so quick and clean off the catch. Um, I think his give and go potential with his quickness is really good. I think some of the stuff that he can do with how he uses misdirection uh, and handoffs and pick and rolls with Aiton could work out quite well also. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's going to have some some real issues with physicality out of the gate. He's dealing with a knee injury. There, I'm sure there's going to be questions about that. Um, but ultimately, I think he's a really high ceiling player and you want to keep this train rolling. Uh, and if you're Phoenix, obviously, if you do end up picking in the lottery, this year didn't go quite how you intended it. So you want to just have something for down the road, whether it's somebody that you end up trading to get somebody else or whatever. So I'm taking the highest ceiling guy. And for me, that's Nick Smith. 
I, I think it's a great pick. I think it, the, the best version of Nick Smith is going to be a, a lead ball handler in the NBA, just given exactly what Maxwell was talking about, like the whole Chris Paul situation. Like they, they need somebody who they can bring in to play alongside Devin Booker in that backcourt. When we factor in upside, everything that we can picture from the best of Nick Smith before the Arkansas stop in those three games that we were able to evaluate, hopefully as we continue to evaluate, he's supposed to be coming back sometime in February, but hopefully we get to see more from Nick Smith and he would be one of those long-term bets the Phoenix Suns could make at 10 overall. So I'm back up. Number 11, the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is a really tough pick to make, guys, because I don't see too many guys left on the board who kind of embody what the Oklahoma City Thunder have been building in recent years. And what I mean by that is recent draft picks and players that they've brought in. They've really embraced this idea that we're going to put five guys on the court at all times who, when they catch the ball, they are immediately able to make a decision with it. So they're going to be able to either put the ball up right away for a shot, or they're going to be able to get themselves going off the bounce, and they can make quick decisions on the move. So they can either shoot it, or they can redirect the ball, be it from a stationary, they're just get kicking out somebody else, or they're going to be able to make a live dribble decision on the move. There's a guy at number 11 who we have in our rankings, mm-hmm. named Gigi Jackson out of South Carolina, who is the no-brainer upside play for this team. But is he is he really the type of Oklahoma City Thunder that we think fits what they're currently doing? With the roster, like I'm, be, I'm asking you guys an honest question. Like I, I think he would be awesome think? in Oklahoma City. Yeah, to I be would, honest I would, with you, I would just do it. Okay, I think that he is a a great fit for Oklahoma City. And then we're gonna take the upside play. We'll go with Gigi Jackson at, at number eleven because if he does hit his ceiling, I, and and we saw it this weekend when when Auburn was playing South Carolina, and some of those jumpers that Gigi hit right off the bounce where he was. He was coming to a stop off a spin move and squaring his body up perfectly to the basket and hitting some of these tough fadeaway pull-up type of jumpers. Like he he looks like an absolute star in the making as a big wing. He has plenty of not awesome moments, but he's also 17 years old and he has to grow into himself at the NBA level. So I I I will take Gigi Jackson then, number eleven, OKC Thunder. They get another upside play here instead of one of the other bets that, that I could have possibly made at that spot. Steven, you're on the board at number 12. You are picking for the Portland Trailblazers. Who who are you going with at number 12? This is where I think you have to make a splash on the board, fellas, because oh boy. what you what the apparent, you know, positional needs on the Portland Trailblazers are, you're not really there's not a center that I'm just like in love with taking here. There's not a, a four that I'm in love with taking here um, that can come in and impact day one. I'm going to do something that I wasn't preparing to, because as you know, like I come into these things and I ran a rough draft of the board and it's already shot the crap anyway. How if we were, we're 11 for 11 by the, comp- by the composite board. Yeah. But like the order that it shook out of the 11 didn't go the okay. way that I thought it was going to go. I'm going to go Bryce Sensabaugh. I'm gonna oh. take I'm gonna take Bryce Let's here go. because I do think that he does give this team some you know lineup versatility. I think that 
the ultimate version of him can give you minutes at the two, three, potentially maybe even four. Um, oh, I think so. But, I mean, the dude can score. Uh, he can shoot. We know that. The playmaking has been a, a point of conversation throughout the year. But I think that he he's a fine – like, he's a an okay ball mover. Uh, defensively, you have a little bit of concern. But ultimately, I just think the scoring upside that he could give this team – you know, you got Simons, you got Shadon Sharp, you got some some real big hustle players like Little, like Hart, you know, you Grant's still on this team. So I don't know, man. I just think Bryce in Portland is, is a fun fit because of the scoring upside that he gives this team. How is Bryce Sensabaugh not in more conversations as one of the best shooters? It makes no in sense. This class? It well now he's quickly sense. be now he's quickly becoming like the guy who should be in this conversation, but we're also complaining isn't mm-hmm. in the conversation now. So it's like quickly overcorrecting now. I think it's because he doesn't do like movement shooter stuff. Like I think with like a, a Grady Dick or a Jet Howard, it's like, oh yeah, that guy comes off of actions and shoots and hits a high percentage where I feel like the role that Sensua is playing, like he doesn't do that specifically and people don't value you as a shooter as much if that's not he he hasn't been asked to do it but no i i agree i but i think i think it's just like a very plain aesthetic thing when he's come off screens to shoot by the way he's four of five yeah those shots in the year so you 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 factor in some more misses but at a higher volume he's probably still going to be in a ridiculous percentile but he on all jump shots he's in the 97th percentile in the country he's 74 of 147 on the year he is, he is a ridiculous shooter with ridiculous touch. He's proven that he can score at all three levels. Do, do the shots always look pretty? Like, no, he, he does have to make a number of contested jumpers, but he's doing it, and he's doing it at volume, and it has not slowed down for him. Like, th- this guy just seems certain every single night he's going to find a way to get himself to 18 to 20 points, and more often than not, he's going to be efficient in doing so while also giving you the rebounding while also giving you the positional size. He's six six. He's built like a shit brick house. Like what? What? What else do you really want from a professional player at this point? I get it. He could be better defensively. I get it. He could be a little quicker with his feet. He could be a I, lot better defensively. He yeah. uh, fine. He could be. A I lot say that as like a, I've I I had a he's twelve a, he, on the. He's a freshman. Yeah, he's a freshman. He's also the engine for his team. So mm-hmm. there's some baked in excuses, but. I don't even have him like this close on my board. I don't have him like 12 to 15 on my board right now, but the more I'm starting to watch him and when I'm starting to evaluate like how he can fit on a team, especially like a Portland, like that might be cause for me to maybe consider rising him up on my board. Closer and he, to he knows what he's doing. Like he can yep. come in for Portland day one and he's probably going to be able to do a lot of the things that he's being mm-hmm. asked to do at Ohio state, but he'll get, more of those catch and shoot opportunities. I do think he's going to be a movement shooter in the NBA. He will get those opportunities for a trailblazers team to work off of a Damian Lillard or an Anthony Simons. And yeah, I, I, I would love to see him in a situation like Paul, because they, they need, they need a small forward or they, yeah. they need a more offensive minded small forward. And, and I think he would be a great option for them unless they just plan to develop and build around, the the quote unquote guard lineup of you have Dame Anthony and then Shane Sharp out there at, at at all times that's like your one through three they they might be going that direction who knows but yeah I I like the Bryce Sensabaugh pick for for the Trailblazers Maxwell you are up 
Number 13, the Utah Jazz via the Minnesota Timberwolves. Sorry, Metcalf, but that that's just the mm-hmm. way the cookie crumbles sometimes in some of these trades. So who, who yeah. are you picking, Maxwell? I'm taking Anthony Black. I'm not feeling particularly mm. great about it. Because, no, I love that pick for, for Utah. Yeah, I love that pick. I, I do too. So that's why I'm making it. Uh, so <laughs> I, I do have some real <laughs> reservations about how he's looked recently. And I know, look, this, this Arkansas situation right now is a mess. Like they have yeah. zero spacing. They have none. Mm none and like people make that excuse for prospects every year only oh, the spacing could be better the space like no matter what every prospect people are all oh, this the spacing on that team is bad and like it's college basketball yeah this is a very very bad spacing situation um ricky council like doesn't even like to take threes and he's like their best shooter and he's like at like 28 percent or something like that for the year now like Davis so, likes to take threes and he's at like three percent. So yeah, comically bad shooter. And then it's a bunch of like traditional bigs. So he just doesn't have shooters around him. And he's a guy whose game needs shooters around him because his whole thing is I I get to the rim. I I pressure the rim and I kick it and I spray it out. Um Utah, I think, presents a really nice fit for him because this is a team that takes the fourth most threes in the league and they hit the eleventh highest percentage. So they got a lot of willing shooters around him um and and, and not only the shooting too i was just gonna say so he that mm-hmm. i mean this team is going to play two to three seven footers like seemingly almost at all times with a rotation mm-hmm. of you know, lowry Markin at the three i know you have jared vanderbilt at the four but then you have you have walker kessler you have kelly olenic like guys who yep. can go not maybe not the most vertical leapers off the ground but they're big they're long they can go up and get the ball for an easy play if anthony black is throwing that pass which we know maxwell he can Exactly. So um, I think it's, I, I just think it's a really good fit in the right type of situation for him. And like the Danny Ainge track record of draft a guy who everybody says is smart and like the efficiency just isn't all the way there. Like little bit of Jalen Brown right there. He's not the athlete anywhere mm. close to the athlete that Jalen Brown is, but like there's a little bit of that in there where it's like, just take the guy that everyone says is, is a really smart player and smart person and, and figure out the rest later. Um, right. I, I also just think like, even like, I don't know, like Ochai has been better lately. You've got all those sh- like shooters around him. In Wait, the big spots said that uh, a rookie player that didn't make a big impact at first has gotten better so far throughout the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. A lot of people oh, were, okay. were ready to, to kill that pick. And it turns out sometimes yeah, it's it, it just takes a little again. bit of time, but bugs me, man. It bugs me. Yeah, yeah. Since the turn of the year, Ochai is like fifty-seven percent from three, so uh, that's a pretty good, pretty good number. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is just a good spot for him. I like what he brings defensively. You just hope that the shot gets a little bit better and that he figures it out. And playing with more shooters helps him. Gosh, Maxwell put me. No, he actually no, he didn't put me in a tough spot. I, I just, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do for the Atlanta Hawks. Talking about ranges, like once you get to 10 to 20, like you could literally give me a case for like so many players in that 10 to 20 range. And it feels like having a guy at 19 is an utter disrespect, but it's really not like that margin is super slim for me right Mm -hmm. now. I'm going to I'm going to screw Steven on who he would probably want to take with his next pick. And I'm going to go Grady Dick. For, for the Olympics. okay because i just i, I just I actually see... predicted that you would take grady dick here so you didn't screw me at all i was I thinking don't... about him for golden state too 
Oh, he'd be nasty. But we we I picked him for Golden State. There are no ceilings. Latest mm-hmm. mock draft that, that's up on noceilingsnba.com right now. But I just I don't know. Derek Whitehead is not growing on me at all. Uh, we already took Sensabaugh in this range. Anthony Black just went off the board. Cason Wallace was certainly in consideration for me for Atlanta as well. But I just think that this team. They have two lead guards. They have Trey Young. They have DeJounte Murray. I don't see that backcourt pairing being blown up in, in the short term. So you need guys who can continue to play off of them. You got you got a shooter last draft in A.J. Griffin, who that pick seems to be working out really well for the Atlanta Hawks. Why don't we give them another guy on the wing who I think is going to be able to shoot the ball? And can, can I let you in on a little secret? Grady Dick is who I was thinking about for the OKC Thunder at 11 if I wasn't going to take Gigi Jackson, because really I think it. he's going to be able to make quick decisions with the ball in his hands. I think he's going to be able to redirect. He's been a better driver and finisher at the basket than I think a lot of people would give him credit for. He's been a better defender than I think a lot of people would give him credit for. Maybe not the best guy that you want out covering a lot of ground and a lot of space, but a one-on-one guy who can withstand somebody going into his body and kind of have them bounce off of him instead of the other way around. I like what Grady Dick's brought to the table for Kansas, and I do think he's a lottery-level talent. So that's who I will take at 14 for the Hawks. So, Steven, if I didn't take your guy, you're back up. Utah Jazz at 15. If I didn't take your guy, then who is your guy for the Jazz? Well, I just want to shout you out for immediately filling the Kevin Herter role that they, you know, apparently missed that's so much. That's very down valid. Right now. Um, but, yeah, for Utah, I mean – the the case for case and wallace here is like so obvious you know you got i understand that colin sexton is still on this team and i'm still kind of in on him but mike conley might be out the door if not then his play is is probably pretty close to um keeping him on the bench more than anything else and it just gives you positional insurance here because you got anthony black there's so much reliance on him being a a rim pressure find the open Man, you bring in a guy like Kaysen who can play off ball, who can defend like crazy, who has shown the ability to shoot at least from the three-point line, not the free-throw line, but he can space the floor, he makes smart reads, and he just has like a defensive playmaker package that is really kind of hard to find, especially at his position. So Utah going, you know, double-dipping at the guard spot, but two different types of players that I think give their – roster a lot of flexibility no I, I i like the pick and i think again utah needs guys who can defend their position in the backcourt right so you're you're already getting one of those guys in anthony black who could be a lead playmaker for the team and you're getting another potentially kick-ass complimentary piece in the backcourt in case of boss but he yep. he has all the skills that you want a guard to have in the nba maybe he's not that ultimate primary option where i'm going to do everything all that in fact chips for my squad but he's also going to do a lot of things really well on offense while playing ridiculous defense for mm-hmm. however many minutes he's on the floor. So that 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 is also a good pick, Stephen. Maxwell, you're up 16, Golden State Warriors. So the 13th overall player on our composite board and our 15th overall player on our composite board still remain in your circle to be able to draft for the golden state warriors. Mm-hmm. Are you going with one of those two guys? Yeah. Or in a different direction. Yep. I'm taking Max Lewis here. Um, okay. It has been a frustrating season for Pepperdine. I think that they as a team have been a lot worse than I expected. Um, last year, their big man situation was brutal. It's the same again. Nobody plays defense. It's, 
it's been very, very frustrating. I like was the most annoyed I've been during a game in a long time uh, watching that that St. Mary's game. But I still like Max Lewis a lot. I think that he is a real deal true shooter. Like it, and what was interesting to me is when I interviewed Lorenzo Romar, when I wrote about Max Lewis earlier in the year, like he was immediately talking about his shooting. Like he was immediately just like, oh, he could shoot. Like the first time we saw him, he could shoot. So I think this whole like fact that he was, you know, uh, an above average three point shooter last season, he's 41.1% from three this season. He's doing it on, on healthy volume, taking 4.3 a game. Like I think the shooting is going to be like a real deal translatable skill for him. On top of that, he does have um, a nice like mid post game. And things like that that he'll use quite a bit against smaller players, which I don't think that's going to be something he does a ton of in the NBA. But as he does get stronger, I think it's going to be a nice thing for him. He can attack close out with fervor. He's become more and more unselfish throughout time. He's really cut down on his turnover rate uh, over time as well. And the turnovers he's getting now are more things that like just tend to happen to a guy who's a top option versus like I got too excited catching the ball and took four steps before dribbling. Um, I, I just really buy the type of player that he's become defensively. All the tools are there. It is a very inconsistent product to say the least, uh, much like everybody on that Pepperdine team, uh, can just kind of lose guys off ball. But then I, at the same time, I don't know if I give him almost like extra credit because he'll like communicate and you'll see him like tell a guy to switch something and they won't do it. And it's like, well, all right, like that's not his fault. Um, that he almost looks better by comparison playing on a team of terrible defenders. But uh, I, I think he's, I think he has a lot of upside there. And I, I buy the fact that he has not had a traditional basketball trajectory. He's not had as many on court reps as a lot of players, the same age. I think, I think he's a good kid. And I think you get him in a system and let him kind of figure these things out. He's going to do it. Um, the warriors would have an embarrassment of riches as far as like young wings go. So if they do want to go all in on a trade at some point, like, that's a really tough package to, to turn down. Um, so, I, yeah, I think he's the, the best prospect available, period, point blank. I agree with you on best available. The only thing that concerns me about the Golden State Warriors fit, now, again, this might not be as big of a concern if they are fully content, as with Pat Baldwin, as with Ryan Rollins. Like, let these guys just get burned in the G League. Like, we we don't need to have them on the roster now. If we need to bring them up and we need to call them up, we will do so. But the Warriors do have one of the more complex offenses in the league in that they don't run a lot of standard sets. It, it's all motion. It's all movement. It's about understanding chemistry feel with the guys who are on the floor. And when I watch Max Lewis, I see – Everything that you can talk about Maxwell as far as upside that points to him being like a really legit contributor on the wing for years to come in the league. But he also looks like one of these guys who is still very much so exploring his studio space. Like, I just don't think he knows how good he can be on the court yet. And so if he's still trying to understand where he fits in, now you're asking him to potentially understand where he fits in in relation to everybody else in a system where they're not necessarily telling him where to be and what to do at all times. So that's like my only concern about that fit. But as far as which is why it sucks that he's that they're picking at 16 instead of like 20 or 21, because a guy like Colby Jones on this team would be be, out freaking standing. Right. Which, which I mean, in an organization like the Warriors, I don't think they're afraid to make the pick they want to make either. So maybe, maybe they could go with a guy like Colby Jones. So I think 
mm-hmm. or, or trade back. I mean, Colby Jones could absolutely be a guy who's taken in the top 20. I, I'm getting very close by the day to just being like, screw it. He's a top 20 player in this draft. I don't really care what the argument is against him. But that, uh, if we're just talking best player available, pure talent, Max Lewis is, is the right pick that, that Max Agree. Lewis, so. I'm in a spot, number 17, the Indiana Pacers. I will let the fall stop. I will take Dariq Whitehead for the Pacers because, sure, there are some things with his game that I haven't liked. We know what he's coming back from as far as injury is concerned. I think the defense has been absolutely abominable, right? Like, there, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no way to get around it. It has not been great. But like if he reaches – if he reaches his upside as a nuclear shooter, the Pacers the Pacers have guys at the guard spots who can make plays for others. They have plenty of ball handlers, and they have guys on the interior who can finish plays from those ball handlers. So they need they need tertiary creation on the wing or from the forward spot, and they just need shooting from that spot. And along with Matherin, Whitehead could be another guy who they can play at the three. He's also, he's a bigger guy than I think mm-hmm. I might've necessarily anticipated. Like, is there some small ball four potentially in his I think future? In time like, there is. Yeah. They're using Neesmith at that spot. So, I mean, what the right. heck? Yeah. They, play, yeah, they basically play like Nemhard at the four sometimes. Like they, so they like, play real small. So like, why not go get another guy like Whitehead who maybe he doesn't reach the, I'm this takeover shot maker type of guy in terms of I'm going to get every single thing off the bounce. Although I do think if he hits his upside, I do think there's a world in which he's getting to a lot of those pull-up jump shots in the same way as somebody like a Matherin. He just doesn't have the creativity at the rim. He's not the same athlete. And as far as defense goes, yeah, there's a lot of work to do. But given that he was a preseason top five, top seven guy in a lot of people's boards, I think getting that at number 17 would be something that the Pacers, I think they would be happy about that. They could go a different direction. They could go with a Jalen Huchifino. They could go with a Chris Murray, Colby Jones. I would just take the upside play here for the Pacers. So, Steven, you can go a number of different directions for the Clippers. Yep. You could go big. You could go small. You could go in the middle. Where would you go if you're the Clippers picking at number 18? I'm going highest upside. I'm going with the guy who I have, like, legitimate lottery vibes at this point in the season now. And there was a point a couple weeks ago where you couldn't even find this guy's name in mock drafts, and that's Jalen Hushkafino. Yep. I really like the fit. So here's what I like about this pick for the Clippers is that if they want to keep the whole Kawhi and Paul George and everybody else on this team, they they desperately need a point guard. They try to do the cheap, you know, redemption story with John Wall, not really working out, you know. Reggie Jackson hasn't really been that guy for them this year. He's a shooter. He's not like a traditional, any sort of point guard anymore. But Right. So not only do you get a traditional style point guard who can set guys up, but you get a guy with size who gives you even more roster versatility. He can play the one. He can play the two. Um, funky defender, funky ball handler, um, great, great passer, um, impro- improving as a shooter. I just I love the upside that this guy has right now in the Clippers. No matter what they want to do, like I understand they got guys like Man and, and Press and things like that, like young dudes waiting in the wings. But I really like the the upside that Jalen Hushkafino has, and I think that he could be flirting with the lottery come draft time. I don't disagree. I I absolutely think that's the right pick. In, in other mock scenarios, I've chosen somebody like a Noah Clowney here, who I think could continue to build out their versatility in the front court. But 
if sure. we're looking at backcourt needs and that's where you want to go at this point, to me, there isn't a better selection for that position than, than Jalen Hutchfino. So I, I agree with Steven 100%. That was a good direction to go. Maxwell, you and Steven, thankfully, you guys are taking the bullets for me. I do not have to catch any strays from Knicks fans oh, if I make you the, right, great players if make the wrong the board, picks man. and I piss them off. You get to make the first of two selections in the first round for the Knicks. This pick comes via the Dallas Mavericks at number 19. Who are you taking for the wonderful city of New York? Yeah, this is tough because they're not like, in my opinion, there aren't a ton of like super high ceiling guys left on the board. Like a lot of these guys are a lot more complimentary at this stage. I wanted to give them like one big kind of home run swing here. Um, It's tough because it feels like their roster has like a lot of like bigger guys on it. Well, according to Kevin O'Connor at the ringer, shout out to to KOC, who, by the way, he, I think Mm. he did a really good job with the first guide that he put out there. I, I do like what KOC did, but. By his board, Maxwell, there might be an upside pick still in play. Yeah, the tip prospect that's, on. Yeah, that's that's who I'm gonna take because he's the highest guy left on on my board, and that's Taylor Hendricks. Um, I I like Taylor Hendricks. I'm not sure like how much burn he gets there out of the gate because I think he's like a four who maybe it could be a five because he's really tall, depending on like what his measurements are and how big he can be. Cause he's got a really good frame and he looks big. Um, but yeah, like, does he get a ton of burn with Obi top in there with Mitchell Robinson there with Hartenstein there with Jericho Sims kind of looming and uh, Mitchell Robinson. Like it's, it's just a lot of dudes. It's a lot yeah. of big dudes, but I like Taylor Hendricks quite a bit. I think that he is like a real deal shooter. Like I love the shot from him. As I said, I, I really buy the size quite a bit as well. Um, while the shot has kind of fallen off a little bit for him, um, something that has been interesting is his assist numbers have really come along. Uh, so since their game against Missouri, he's averaging 2.6 assists per game to 1.2 turnovers. And like that to me is really big. That's huge. The fact Taking that like, not only shots, getting more responsibility, but not turning it over. Yep. Exactly. He's this big dude. He can shoot. He can protect the rim. Um, there's some switchability upside. I'm not like a big, he's going to come in and switch everything right away. He gets very like handsy and hand checky yeah. when he has to switch down right now. And he can be kind of upright. Uh, but all the tools are there and like he has figured out how to move the ball and find the open man. So yep. I'm still really bullish on Taylor Hendricks. I like him quite a bit. And even with the the drop in the shot, like the fact that the passing has come along, like earlier in the year, I said he's got to shoot like 36, 37% to stay in this year. Now with what I've seen from the passing, he can kind of afford to to have that shot tail off a little bit. Um, so I, I, I go with him for the next year. So my pick for the Miami Heat at number 20, to me, this was between two players. This was between Noah Clowney, who I thought about, mm. or Colby Jones. And to me, this Colby Jones just makes too much sense. Dang, I, I know. That's that's probably where Steven wanted to go. And I think that would have made a lot of Knicks fans happy. That would have made Pierre would have made me happy. happy. Shout out Pee Wee to plug from, from Through the Wire. That would have made him very happy for, for the Knicks, most likely. But getting Colby Jones... Pick number 20, he does everything you want him to on a basketball court. Like there, there really isn't anything. Maybe he doesn't have a, a great skill or an elite skill. Maybe he's a, a jack of all trades, master of none. But isn't that sort of what the Miami Heat kind of need? They they need somebody who can come in and do a little bit of everything. They have a funky roster. They have Bam Adebayo trying to do a lot for the team, and they have Jimmy Butler trying to do 
a lot for the team. They have Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry's in and out. Like they they need somebody who they can just count on to do a number of things and do them at a good enough level while also possessing good size for a wing at six six. He's another one of these guys who's built really strong for a wing his size. He can shoot the ball. He can get to the rim, I think, more often than people would care to give him credit for. And although he doesn't have tremendous defensive upside, I do think he's going to be able to guard a number of positions and hold down different spots on the perimeter. So Colby Jones would be my pick for the Heat at number 20. He, he's got that dog in him. I, I do think he has a dog in him. I think he fits Heat culture out of Xavier. So give me Colby Jones there. So Steven, I'm sorry if I took who you wanted to take for the New York. I Bears, was like, there's game. no way he's taking Colby Jones and I was going to steal him uh, for, for the Knicks. So I really want to take a wing player for the Knicks. I just feel like that's where they need the most amount of depth because they got the, they got their ones locked up. They got, now they got their fours and their fives locked up because we just took Taylor Hendricks. I'm going to go down my board a little bit. And I'm going to give him Jalen Clark. I, I, I think that Jalen Clark is kind of <laughs> like the he's he's kind of like the next best thing on the wing for like defense, potential playmaking, um, improvement as a, as a scorer and a shooter. Um, I just I feel like the defense that he's going to give this team is going to see the floor with Tibbs. He's, he's I was like, going to say he is a rookie that Tibbs would play. He's a rookie that Tibbs would play. Tibbs um, is going to be foaming at the mouth for Keith Bogans 2.0. Exactly. <laughs> and so, like, real real defense um, growing in a lot of areas on the offensive end, I think that he would see time um, for New York here. And, again, like, they have so many positions locked up. Like, drafting for the Knicks this year is hard, and that mm-hmm. speaks to how much improvement that they have on, undergone this year. So I'm going to give them – I'm going to give him Jalen Clark, who I feel like a lot of people are starting to become more and more believer in with probably the exception being Maxwell, but by and large on the no ceilings team, um, there's a lot of Jalen Clark believers. Um, Albert hope made you happy, man, because you know, he just wrote about him earlier in the year and uh, they got Ed Reed in, in New York. Now I do have a top 25 grade on him at that number 25 spot currently on my board. He was 31 in our composite rankings. I am shocked you didn't pick Chris Murray, Stephen. Because I you want, were, dude. So listen, uh, I want to. I'm I want shocked. to. He is I, a four. My man is not a three. He's a four. My man is not a three. Sure. And there's just he's not going to see time behind Randall with with Toppin now with Taylor Hendricks. Like he's he's going to be buried on that team if if they draft him, which is why I went further down my board because. I do have Turquavion Smith and Chris Murray higher. I just that's like, a, I, another guy. I can't the, believe you didn't take Turk. Where's the playing but time? Turk, like come? that's the thing. It's like I, I are they? It's like Tibbs gonna be like I have to play him over Emmanuel with Brunson quickly. with Qu- like and quickly is balling out now. So like yeah, it's tough. They have tough they have three positions locked up. So if I'm going wing and I'm going for a guy that's gonna see playing time, like. Clark is a is a he's in this range for me. So, so like, I feel my good concern about it. with Clark is I like I was really buying the offensive stuff and he's still scoring a lot, but he is thirty five point five percent from the field since the yeah. game against Kentucky. Like yeah, he's had. Some I really want to see where this settles because I'm like the the points per game are still there, but like 
I'm starting to lose a little. I thought bit about Julian Phillips as well, but to me, he's more like a three four than he is like a two three. So, so the one I re- thing I will say to contest your point about these positional log jams, you know, you know damn well at some point the Knicks are going to make a big trade, and that big trade is also probably going to be some sure. sort of consolidation trade, which is going to that's going to free up some spots within sure. these positional log jams. But also the Knicks have not done anything that we thought that they were going to do at all the past couple of seasons, right? So they've been very I'm, shy. They've been shy to 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 pull the trigger on on a trade, which I mean, well, given I mean, their given their history, it might not be the up till the Donovan Mitchell situation. That probably wasn't the worst thing for them to play their cards. A but they hit the, the Brunson. Time. They hit the Brunson free agency signing, they which was fantastic. The Emmanuel quickly pick is looking really great. Like the Julius Randle redemption story again, and Mitchell Robinson redemption story. He's one of the best rebounders and rim deterrents in, in basketball right now. So like, to me, I had to go wing and I went with a guy that I thought would see playing time for New York. Like New York's okay. a hard team to draft for this year. All right. Well, Maxwell, you are the Sacramento Kings at 22. Yeah. You, you can take a, a, another Murray. Brother. I'm seeing double. I'm seeing two Murrays. I'm taking okay. Chris Murray right here. I, this uh, is why I didn't draft him by the way. For real. Oh yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, so, so the Kings do just still need forwards. Uh, like a lot of their players are guards. Um, I mean, you've got, Eric. you've got Barnes and you've obviously you got, you got free Barnes. agent. The Barnes, yeah, been, Barnes might be out bonus of the door. has been quite yeah. good, but yeah. So, You've got that situation going on. Um, yeah, potentially losing Harrison Barnes. So you've got Keegan. And then, like, you go further down, it's like, oh, Trey Lyles? Like, mm, all right. And then it's, it's not yeah. much after that as far as the forwards go. So by getting Chris, even if you retain Harrison Barnes, it's just, like, a nice depth piece to have. Um, I don't know that he's ever a starter on, like, a playoff team, but I think he's going to be a really, really good complimentary player for a long time. Uh, the foot speed and just vertical explosiveness isn't the same as Keegan, but instinctually he is just such a strong player. Like he knows where to be offensively all the time. Defensively, he's pretty good with it. It covers the fact that he doesn't have the fastest feet, um, but he's got a really nice second jump. Excels as a cutter. Um, the passing stuff has kind of come up a little bit here and there, and then it kind of scales back. I don't know that he's ever like a great on the go decision maker or passer, but it's better than it was. Um, but if you're just looking for a guy who's going to catch open shots, knows how to cut off the ball on a team with Demontis Sabonis, who is like the master of operating from the top of the key and from the elbow, like this is a really good fit. This is a really good fit for him. And it's a situation where, uh, yeah, he fits what they do and he's going to be able to contribute pretty quickly. I think Chris Murray has grown on me. I think he's grown on everybody here on the Draft Deeper podcast. He's Murray. he's grown on more people at No Ceilings. Not not everyone, but he's he's grown on a, a few more guys. And I think the draft community is starting to recognize him as, oh crap, this is a legitimate first round talent, probably a top twenty five guy. And it would not shock me if he goes within the top twenty uh, on draft night. I think NBA teams, in my opinion, are probably valuing him a little bit more in the draft community because the draft community is focused on let's rank my board based on absolute upside. I'm not making these picks. I'm not in an NBA decision-making position. I don't have to worry about the, the outcome if my upside pick doesn't work out, but an NBA team, somebody selecting for an NBA team might be in a different position where they're drafting for a coach who wants somebody who can come in and contribute, who they can count on, who's reliable 
And Chris Murray is all of those things with professional pedigree because his brother Keegan has been the third or fourth best rookie this year in, in the NBA, at least by my rankings, depending on how you feel about J-Dub and what he's done for Oklahoma City. But to me, it's it's, it's Paolo and it's Matherin and then it's the, the, the J-Dub, Keegan Murray conversation because when he does shoot, Keegan's been a, a lights-out shooter. And he's he's on pace to being arguably the best rookie shooter from three that that the NBA has ever seen, or, or one of the best guys. And I think Chris Murray is as good of a shooter from at least from what the college production and the college numbers have told us. He doesn't have the same game off the bounce. He doesn't have some of the upside that, that I think Keegan does. But I just think he's going to be a rock solid NBA player for a number of years at that wing slash forward spot. Where if you're getting his level of production that's going to translate even in the same realm of somebody like Keegan Murray, you're going to be really happy about making that pick inside the top 25. So yeah, I, I think the Kings would absolutely be interested in, in drafting Keegan's brother. So I'm up at 23, the Los Angeles Lakers via the Pelicans. So this is the pick swap. So this is the back half of that pick swap. I'm going to take Traquavion Smith out of NC State for the Lakers. And this is, I, I get it. Rookies do not play alongside LeBron James. He wants proven vets. That's just been the narrative throughout his entire career. He wants to play with known commodities. But if we're talking about upside picks with the Lakers, something who they they do need a player like Traquavion Smith, they need a guy who can go absolutely nuclear from the perimeter, who can develop into more of a secondary pick and roll creator for that team. I, I definitely think he can do that. And some of the nitpicks that we've had about Traquavion Smith in the past were his at-rim finishing. He's been much better this year. Yeah, yeah. 67th percentile on all shots at the rim with, by Synergy's shot quality metrics, he's taking much better looks at the rim, period. He's taking better driving angles. He find, He's finding himself in better situations. He still doesn't have a floater game. I, I, I wish that would be better for him, but the finishing at the rim the jump shooting, his ability to just pop off for 40 points on any given night. Give me that level of upside to where he could be like a Jordan Poole 2.0 type of player. I think the Lakers would be happy for that kind of upside. So, Steven, you're back on the clock. Indiana Pacers, 24th overall pick. This is via the Cleveland Cavaliers. Where are you going with 24? Steven, Sorry, I just realized I was there. muted. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, trying, to, trying to be courteous and not make noises while you're talking. Um, I'm going to go Noah Clowney here for the Indiana Pacers. Great pick. Um, I just, I feel like we, we got the wing prospect that we we're looking for earlier. There's the will he, won't he thing with Miles Turner going on. I understand that Jalen Smith is on this team. I understand that there's guys like Ajax on this ro- roster as well. But I, I, I tweeted this out during Alabama's most recent game. Clowning can do everything out of as the role man that any NBA team is looking for. He can finish, he can shoot, he makes great reads out of the short roll as well. And that's uh-huh. like that's like the underlying part of Alabama's success that like really no one is talking about because even Bidiaco can do that as well. There's a they have no shortage of big men that can make great reads out of the short roll. And with the shooters they have on this team with Quinterly, with Sears, obviously Mount Miller being on this team as well. Clowney can basically just copy and paste that on this Indiana Pacers team, which spreads the floor really nicely as well. So I just think that this move makes way too much sense. He's about in that spot where I have him on my board currently. 
could see him rising up as the season moves along because there's just no shortage of things that this guy can do on the offensive end. Not to mention defensively, there's a lot of promise um, for him on that end as well. He's one of the best movers at his size that we have in this entire draft class. And Absolutely. I do there's some there's some ball handling upside with him too like i think he could he could develop into a, a pretty decent face-up type of option mm. at that forward spot so yeah give me uh, along with the three-point shooting the, the the distance shooting upside so yeah yeah i, I love that pick noah Klani at 24 maxwell we're gonna try to fire through these picks a little yeah. bit and we might have some some fun names to mention at the end of guys to just watch out for who might show up in our next exercise so 25 brooklyn nets via the 76ers yes that that hurts as many times as, as I can say it as a 76ers homer, but go ahead. 25, who you got? Yeah, I'm taking Leonard Miller uh, from the Ignite. Oh boy. He is the highest guy left on my board. Where I think he could actually help them potentially immediately is he's a phenomenal rebounder, and the Nets are one of the worst, if not the worst, rebounding <laughs> team in the NBA. So just having like a guy out there who's going to play with energy and do that and also kind of be insulated in a way where like environmentally he's not going to – be afforded to make some mistakes he, he that he can tend to make offensively and defensively it's going to be a lot easier for him to focus in when he's not having any sort of creation burden like that's like the one thing that's kind of eaten him up is his decision making and things like that like he'll be able to really just focus on what he does well out of the gate in an environment like that um i'm so optimistic that just like there's enough raw talent production and motor that he's going to figure some stuff out uh but i think just from a fit standpoint too like he might actually have something he can offer them right away. He's already rebounding really well and finishing really well in a pro league. And like the Nets could use a guy like that. Yep. They, they absolutely could. I, I, I think that's certainly an upside play for, for them in Brooklyn, but I fully understand the pick just given the type of production Leonard's shown this year in the ignite. I think he's, he's impressed a lot of people behind the scenes and it would not surprise me to hear his name called within the top 25 on draft night. So I'm making, pick two out of two for the Houston Rockets in the first round. This pick comes for the uh, via the Milwaukee Bucks at number 26. I'm going to make a pick that I didn't foresee myself making even just two to three weeks ago. I'm going to take Jordan Hawkins out of UConn for, for the Houston Rockets. I think they just need another professional guy in the backcourt who can just get buckets in the right ways. And I think we've seen, we know what type of, awesome shooter that Jordan Hawkins has been on a night-to-night basis, but he's starting to show a little bit more creativity around the basket. He's played some pretty decent perimeter defense as far as, as his off-ball role has been concerned, as outlined by our good friend Nick at, M- at No Ceilings when him and I were on a podcast last time. I think Jordan Hawkins is a guy who could come in and do a lot of things for this Houston Rockets team and just give them another shooter to be able to play off of. You have Jabari Smith. You have Jalen Green. You have guys who can knock down jump shots and who can handle the ball some. Now you give Scoot Henderson another guy who he can just drive and kick to and somebody like a Jordan Hawkins. I'm going to go there for the Rockets at number 26. Steven, you are back up. Another pick for the Utah Jazz via the Brooklyn Nets. Who are you going with at 27? I'm going to go for more of a probably one of the higher upside guys that we have in this range, and he hasn't looked great in this in this situation, hasn't been pretty. But I still like Kyle Filipowski, especially as kind of like a fill-in for, you know, a lot of the same things um, that that Utah already has going for them in the front court. So Filipowski could come in, uh, really could improve as a shooter. Um, I think that that's going to be his ultimate swing skill. But we see the rebounding. We see the positional playmaking that's there, ball handling. 
um, gives them a lot of versatility. So um, with, with Larry Marketing kind of exploding on that team, Filipowski could come in and give them a lot of the same looks. And that's something that's kind of underrated when it comes to successful teams is like how repeatable is your second unit compared to your first. I think that Utah building on top of the guard play that we already got, getting Filipowski is a great um, kind of high risk or excuse me, low risk, high reward um, at this position in the draft. I like the pick. I like the pick for, for Utah. They could, they could use somebody like him with his skill set. If he, if he, <coughs> I'm not the biggest Kyle Filipowski guy, but if he does check all the boxes, hit on all cylinders, that's exactly the type of front court player that I think Utah wants to develop with a guy who can step in and replace Kelly Olynyk or, or the type of production he's giving them as a stretch yep. big who can also face up guys, take them off the dribble. Maxwell, you get to make yeah. another pick for the Charlotte Hornets at 28. God, I, I hope you give them just a good basketball player who can keep that's, that That's moving. That's the idea. That's, so yeah. I, I'm a little kind of unsure with this guy, but I do think they need to like stop rolling the dice. Like I think it's very clear just based on how the season's gone, you know, how their coach is talking to the media, things like that. Like they need adults in the room. Um, so this is not a high ceiling swing. It's kind of a boring pick, but I think from a fit standpoint, it's actually sort of exciting. I'm going to take Marcus Sasser. Okay. This pick here. Beautiful I think pick. Play him alongside LaMelo. Um, over the last month, he is taking eight and a half threes per game and making 45% of them. I've always kind of bought the shot. I felt like the eye injury and some of that other stuff was probably holding it back a little bit. Yeah. But just a guy, they, they don't play defense. And just a guy who is going to really buy in and bring that identity, regardless of what else is going on around him, is going to help quite a bit. He's going to give you floor spacing. And he's just, he he's going to give you some lineup flexibility with another big guard next to him. You can take the tougher backcourt assignment because he is so big and strong. I like the fit. It's it's not the most exciting guy, but you got an exciting guy earlier with Jet Howard, and now you've got somebody who's going to play defense and bring a toughness and, and set a culture for you. I am so tempted to go off the board for this pick, but I can't do it. I can't do it. I have to stick by the rules. I have to stick to our composite big board. There, there's a number of picks I can make for for a team who doesn't really need anyone right now quote unquote they also don't really have the roster spots to, to make another first mm -hmm. round pick it would not shock me if they traded out of the first round yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on draft night i think that's absolutely within the realm of possibility or they they take a guy who's a known draft and stash guy and i think the international guys who we have left nicola durisic and, and and uh repair i think they're both guys who would come over right away so they mm -hmm. they would definitely be taking up a roster spot. So I will just go pure swing Baba Miller at pick number 29 Fair. for, for the Memphis Grizzlies. Just, I, I get it. He's, he's still trying to get his feet underneath him for Florida state, which is also a bad playing situation by record this year. But the intrigue that he brings at six foot 11, you're seven feet with his size, his length, his ability to handle the ball, hit perimeter shots, and also sort of be this really fun guy who can play multiple positions defensively. I like how he's been moving his hips already on that side of the ball. Give me somebody like that for the Memphis Grizzlies who are, are in a luxury position again. They don't need to make uh, a pick here, but give them somebody who could develop into something really interesting in Baba Miller. And Steven at number 30, last pick for the Pacers via the Boston Celtics to close out the first round of Mock Posit 3.0. Where are you going? Yeah, so we addressed the bigs. They got a good stable of bigs now. We already know that the guard play 
is is there i gotta go wing there's two names that i'm thinking about here and i'm gonna go with the guy that i have currently rated the highest these two could flop it was between julian phillips and the guy that i'm ultimately going to take and ryan repair i just i like the ball handling ability the 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 floor spacing that's already there and he is a, a menace on the defensive end as well i think that phillips would also fit really well on this team um, with the defensive ability that he has, and he's actually a little bit stronger um, as it stands right now. But Rupert, you know, coming off of injury as well, um, I just I'm a believer in the playmaking that he brings to this team, the defense, and then you know, growing as a shooter as well. So we're gonna go ahead and get Rupert here. So there are only two players inside of our 30 pick first round mock posit draft who did not exist in our top 30 compositely. And that was Jalen Clark that Steven selected for the New York Knicks. And then I selected Jordan Hawkins who ended up 34th on our composite board exercise that left Kella Ware out of the picture. He was number 29, which I, I thought about taking Ware for, for the Memphis Grizzlies. I, I think they could have absolutely made that pick. You can sell them on the stretch big future, but I didn't want to make it regardless. That was probably to me, one of the names that stands out who wasn't picked, but there are, there are plenty of different directions that teams can go near the end of that first round that, that 25 through 55 range is going to be another, it's going to be another bloodbath this year. We will have to see how that all shakes out. Steven, before we close out this podcast and, and, and do the outros, you kind of wanted to mention a few names yourself who might be showing up on the next edition of your big board, who could sneak into this mock draft exercise next time, especially as we expand it. We're, who are some of the guys you just want to throw out there as names for the audience to, to keep track of? Yeah, well, these are names that I'm not expecting to necessarily show up in our first round, but I think by our Ford Auto composite board, some of the names that, that could sneak in. Um, we've already seen one of these, Naquan Tomlin, sneak in on Corey's mm-hmm. uh, top 60. Uh, great, great call out. Uh, Keontae Johnson, Bryce Hopkins. Jalen Forbes is a player that I'm like rapidly kind of falling in love with. And yes. I know that Max... I know that Maxwell likes him. Uh huh. Well. Loved him when I saw him in person too. Yeah, and then uh, Zach Fremantle almost had like a thirty-point triple-double <laughs> the other night, just kind of quietly. Um, he's an upperclassman, but those are some of the names that that I'm kind of kicking around, putting into my top sixty. And uh, you could probably expect to see Brandon Pajemski, who was just outside of it last time, kind of sneak his way in there as well. Pajemski's a good call out. I do. I, I go back and forth with Metcalf on this one. I, I do think Fremantle is not a guy who's going to get drafted, but I think he definitely gets an NBA opportunity. And there, there, there is a world where Fremantle could, could stick. It's just a guy who you can bring yeah. him off the bench. He's just a reliable forward big man type to have. Uh, Maxwell, who would be your call out or, or any call outs you want to make as guys who we didn't talk about, but be on the lookout. Yeah. Kobe Bufkin's really good. Gofield's yeah. a really good basketball player. That man's a dog. And like he's gotten really comfortable as a playmaker. He is hitting around like 38% of his threes over the last month or so. I do think he's gonna shoot it. And he's younger than a lot of freshmen. Like he's younger than Jalen Hood Shafino, for example. Mm-hmm. So like when we're talking about him as a prospect, I think the class kind of like trips people up a little bit. Um, but he's the guy who's rapidly on the rise. I still think like I think Donovan Klingon is gonna benefit a lot off of like walker kessler coming in and being good right away i think they're like just similar enough that people are going to be like big guy who knows how to play defense and like i would not be shocked it's giving hope to every white college center 
Yeah, but he's right he's now. so good though. Like the the rate at which he's blocking shots and like still a significant percentage behind what Kessler was doing. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and that's nothing to be ashamed of. But I think uh, I don't know. I think he might have a real shot at like making a run at it. Um, I like Klingon. I I, I, I really do. do. He was on, made my he top was in 60. My toxi, top 60. And then I think Eric Gaines like just seems like he's kind of slowly building momentum. It, the mid-major guys always rise late. Um, but it seems like people are really taking notice of the fact that like he's doing well as a playmaker and he's hitting threes, even though he doesn't take a ton of them. And um, he's a freaky athlete. He's like, yeah, like <laughs> real, real special athletically. Yeah. And that gets thrown around a lot, but like Eric Gaines is special. So I think as long as he keeps the turnovers in check, um, and like just keeps hitting threes, he's got a shot just because there aren't a lot of guards that move like that. My call out. I was so damn tempted to take him number 29 to the Grizzlies, but Steven wouldn't let me do it. I, I was very, I wanted to break my rules own rules, rules, but Steven's like, mm-hmm. rules are rules, man. You can't do it. I'm like, that's true. Then we would ruin the exercise. I will, I will play nice. But Bilal Kulabali. Who is playing? I for love Bilal. Yep. Metropolitan's yeah. 92, same team as Victor Wembanyama, has had two excellent games, three excellent games of late in, in France's U21. He had another one the other day. It was uh, 37 points on 14 of 20 from the field. He is a six foot six wing prospect, springy athlete, great length, mm-hmm. underrated pull up shot maker. That's probably the rawest part of his offensive attack. He, he's going to. He, he, he needs time to season as far as him figuring out where he fits within the flow of an offense. But when we talk about raw tools, raw talent, upside at an important position for the NBA, do not be surprised. I know what, John, Wasserman's the main guy in the media who called yeah. him out this week on his mock draft to pick, I think it was like 35. He's such a good report. stash option. Like if you can't bring yeah. a guy exactly. over, like just take a guy who's that athletic and like kind of has feel and, and like really defends. And the last really thing I'll say about Kulabali, he, yeah, absolute stash option in the first round for one of these teams who doesn't have a roster spot, who wants to make the pick if they're not trading off the pick or selling it off. Take a guy like Kulabali who probably needs a year or two before he comes over. And then the last thing that I will say, Durisic and, and repair. This is outside of Victor Roman. Victor Roman Yama is one of the best prospects I've ever fucking seen. So let's just like take that out of the equation. But all, all the other international prospects, I think Durisic and Rupert are better players today than Koulibaly, but the best international prospect outside of Wembenyama, to me, it's Koulibaly, and it's, it's not even close. To Fair. me, to me, prospect, it's not. Even, I think this guy has real, real upside. So that I'm that's my call him, out. I I may very well take him in the first round of our next uh, mock posit <sighs> exercise. Who knows? But that being said, that's going to do it for this episode, mock posit draft 3.0. Thank you so much, everyone out there for listening to this episode of Draft Deeper on the No Ceilings NBA feed. If you are not subscribed to this podcast feed, do so wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. We love to hear your feedback. We want your five-star ratings. It truly helps us out, and we're thankful every time we get to see one of those ratings or reviews come through. So definitely make sure you're doing that. Make sure you're also subscribed at NoCeilingsNBA.com. Steven's got a really awesome piece coming out by the time you're listening to this podcast. On Monday, Maxwell is also going to have a piece out, the prospect overview on Tuesday. I may be taking a little bit of a writing hiatus, just just given what's going on in my personal life. But Stephen and Maxwell, along with everybody else in No Ceilings, they're all holding down the floor Monday through Friday. We're giving you written content 
about the NBA draft. So make sure you're subscribed on all front. If you want to follow us on social media, interact, you can follow me on Twitter at draft deeper. You got Maxwell at bound boards on Twitter. And then Steven is at Steven G hoop. So make sure you're following the no Sims account and follow us, interact with us, come hang out. We're always ready to talk prospects, talk basketball, talk the draft. So Definitely make sure you keep tuned in, locked into everything we're doing at No Ceilings NBA. But until we meet again on this podcast feed, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.